Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kimmock with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And if you can see my screen behind me, I am streaming Last Words. It's a film that I was featured in, and I played the role of therapist. What else? Uh, it's streaming on Amazon Prime, and it surrounds, it's a story about a woman who was in an abusive relationship, lived in Georgia, and moved to Detroit. And you would have thought that by moving, you know, and exiting the abusive relationship, she would be fine. She had so many issues, she sought to consult a therapist, me. I played the role of therapist. And while she didn't take the advice of the therapist naturally, she ended up killing her, her, her lover, her current lover, who had nothing to do with the abuse. So this movie is called, is called Last Words. It's on Amazon Prime, so go and check it out. <laughs> Tell others about it. It's quite the story. Uh, some, uh, somebody on Facebook messaged me over the weekend that they had watched it. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, it's out there. So if you can, stream Last Words on Amazon Prime. Uh, I know many of us are at home. So what can you watch? That's one of the things to watch. I watched it early this morning myself. And I was still taken aback. I saw different parts of the story that I hadn't seen before. Well, today is Tuesday, May 26th, and May's marching on finally. It's about to get out of here. More five days left in the month of May. I, for some reason, I think that we're going to wish that we were still in May when June floats around. Uh, I believe that we're headed for a crisis, but we're going to talk more about that as we head into our show today. Uh, we're going to talk about the coronavirus class wars and what it means for culture, for our culture. It's kind of interesting because the coronavirus is once again exemplifying and highlighting the differences in American thought patterns and the ways in which we choose to communicate. Listen to this. The class divide between bosses and workers and the underlying wedge between the haves and the have-nots and the have-nots is becoming more and more apparent as economic uncertainty takes hold of the working class in light of the coronavirus. Most of Americans overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly back continued lockdown measures, even if they've lost major income, while high-income households are likely to support economic reopening. Isn't that true? Remember that guy, David Geffen, who tweeted a photo of him taken from a drone above his 450 foot yacht in the Grenadines saying we're all in this together and the rest of us were like no we're not <laughs> right the poorer and browner the household the less likely they are to agree that states should reopen so I want to put this into perspective just a little bit and highlight what it is that is really wrong with American culture at this point 
and why the class divide is emerging. It's, it was always there. We see it daily on Instagram. Think about it. The people you follow most on Instagram are very wealthy. And we tended, they played the game so that we would like them because naturally if we buy their products, then the richer they are. And we did that without impunity. We did it like nothing. And we forgot that these people are 50, 100 billion times richer than we are. But we like their images. We like their posts. We like what they post. And then all of a sudden the coronavirus came. And even though prior to the virus, they made you feel like, well, I'm just like you. I I was like you. I grew up without a mother. I was without a father. I was abused. I was beaten up. I was this. I was dead. I never, I had to eat out of the back of a car, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly the coronavirus happened and you realize you and these folks have nothing in common. That they live worlds apart. They're like, yeah, we're social distancing. You're on a 100-acre farm. You can't social distance, right? People are like, yeah, we're social distancing in my house. And your house is 5,000 square feet. Your house is 11,000 square feet. Yeah, you can social distance. But meanwhile, most people live in a 950-square-foot apartment. Or are they going to social distance two adults and two children to boot, right? So the coronavirus exemplified and highlighted the, the class wars that exist in American culture today. And a recent study uh, by an organization found that uh, people who supported reopening, not just in America, but around the world, were most likely in the 1%. Are you hearing me? So this is not just an American phenomena. It's worldwide. Everywhere in the world, wealthy people, when the coronavirus hit, left cities where they worked and were in control. Yeah, they were the bosses, they were the elite. And they left cities and they went to their vacation homes and summer homes so that they could live and not have to deal with the coronavirus and the after effects. This is true, right? So those of us in the culture wars, we turn to social media. We vent on Twitter. We vent on Instagram. Instagram is all about having fun, but Twitter is a serious one. Everybody goes to Twitter, and we fight these ideological battles. But what we have noticed, though, is that this war, this class war that has emerged, is not ideological at all. It is real. And in a lot of ways, we need to pay attention to it because it is my estimation that this war, the kind of inequality that we are seeing, I made a note, the kind of inequality that we're looking at is a breeding ground for a revolution. It's not going to go away. Here's why it's not going to go away. Right now, the coronavirus ravaged cities. These cities typically are Democrats. So at first, Republicans were like, well, it's just affecting Democrats. It wasn't affecting us. Then it became apparent that it was affecting black and brown people. Black and brown people have been marginalized for years and over time. Black and brown people suffer from lack of quality health care over time, suffer from air pollution that are contributing factors, suffer from lack of healthy, fresh food that makes them healthier and have healthier weight, weight balances, right? Therefore, when the coronavirus came, naturally, it affected already marginalized communities 
that are historically black and brown because of systemic economic oppression. It's, these are facts. These are facts. So when the lockdown came, uh, it was, uh, especially the governors were kind of left holding the bag because the president was like, I'm out of this. I'm not dealing with this. Because he didn't want to be the one who was held responsible for saying states should lock down. So he let the governors take the heat. Meanwhile, he's tweeting that you should liberate Michigan and Minnesota. Smart move, wasn't it? But it's going to prove to be not so smart later in the November election. So when you look at it, the people who, we have this misconception that Republicans are elite. Some of them are. There are elite Democrats. But check this out. The people who voted for Mr. Trump are poor people, are people who had lost their jobs prior to the economic crash and never regained their footing because they refused to adapt to technology. When everybody else was saying, go learn to code or go do STEM or go get a college degree, they refused to do that. They didn't think they needed to. So here comes Donald Trump. He was their man. So they're the ones who are marching about lockdown. They're the ones who are saying enough is enough. You got to watch this stuff because even though the movement seemed to be mostly white, be careful because they're working class whites. It wasn't the intelligentsia. It wasn't uh, wealthy Republicans. It wasn't elitist Republicans. It was poor working class white people who were marching. You got to watch that because at the same time, workers in meatpacking plants, workers in healthcare facilities like nursing homes, workers in rural areas and workers in automotive plants are also working class. They too were told to go home. They were told to go back to work and to work in facilities that are not safe. And now they feel unsafe. You got to watch that because when those two finally come together, they're not going to care about Republican and Democrat. They're going to see that this is about the haves and the have nots, and they're going to make a choice and something. It's a breeding ground and a powder keg for a revolution to happen. And it will come. We have advanced so much as a society. The last time we had a revolution was in 1776 to gain control and to gain independence of governing ourselves. That was 200 and odd years ago. In the 200 and odd years, our society developed and created a society where people continue to have more and more. Look at David Geffen. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Dude is tweeting a photo of him resting on his yacht in the Grenadines. Meanwhile, most people work in meatpacking plants work in unsafe environments, can't afford to go on a vacation. How is that? And you, it's evident. So it's not like once upon a time, 30 or 40 years ago, you surmised that they were. Remember the show that was on TV called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Anybody remembers that? Yeah, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. That used to be a thing. We don't need that show anymore because we can Google it and see where people live. You can Google people's net worth and see how much their net worth is, right? But at the same time, what, uh, what, what, what you're seeing 
while we're doing that, you're also seeing the difference between how Mr. Geffen lives and how we live. It's like somebody posted a picture, uh, mentioned that one of the uh, uh, people, I can't remember who it was, she was saying, oh, look at me, we're all in this together. But she was on a 100-acre farm in Kentucky. No, we're not all in this together. There are three of you in your household on a 100-acre farm. You can social distance. Martha Stewart, social distance with her, her cook, her chauffeur, and her driver. <laughs> That's who was in her mansion. <laughs> her cook, her chauffeur, and her driver. That's whom she defined as essential for her to continue living. That tells you a lot about e- equality and inequality. Martha Stewart was rich before she went to jail. She was still rich when she got out of jail. She just resumed her lifestyle. Drug dealers go to jail, and when they come out of jail, they're good. They're black and brown, invariably. Their, their money and their possessions are forfeited. They don't get to have it. Why? Because of a system of inequality where black and brown people are not supposed to own anything. We've got to be careful with this because this is going somewhere, right? What we have here is a war of class and a war of culture. On one hand, you have Republicans saying that they want the states to reopen. But at the same time, what they have forgotten is that not all Republicans are elite. They're working class people as well. I'm going to give you an example. A suburb in Georgia, right? Uh, The Avalon Mall was reopened. And one person interviewed said, I just wanted a vintage Starbucks. I just wanted to feel normal again. Meanwhile, the worker at the store where she was, was sending up a prayer that God is greater than Corona and God would keep her from getting Corona. So while this is how it is beginning to look to people. So I am serving you, but when you are done, you can walk away. People are not going to like that. that. That image of America does not jive with the image that we project. So this class divide has emerged where poorer people, the blacker and browner you are, the more likely you are to not favor reopening. And why do you favor it? Because black and brown people fear getting sick because illness in America will wipe you out. Illness creates debt and medical debt that will prove terrific to you. Illness in America is dangerous. Rich people don't fear getting ill because they have means to get better. They have better access, they have access to better doctors and affordable health care. They don't have affordable health care, they have health care. Black and brown people don't have health care in many states that are run by Republican governors and Republican legislatures. They cut off access to Medicaid for black and brown people in many states. So black and brown people who are the workers and who form the large base of the working class. Listen to what I'm saying. Black and brown people form the large base of the working class are beginning to realize that they don't have power and their ability to matriculate through the economic ramps is limited. It's limited by education. It's limited by upward mobility. The structures that are in place are preventing people from moving up freely. The American dream does not exist. In fact, that dream has been wiped out. It wasn't the pandemic that caused it. It's been wiped out for a long time. We just did not want to accept it. 
all that the pandemic did, all that coronavirus did was shine a light on the the glaring inequalities in the system. And now we're left to wonder what next. Well, I'm going to tell you what next. Because here is what we do know so far, is that those folks who were marching, those folks who were marching, even though they had their swastikas and their nooses, when you take the politics out of it, you have to start asking yourself, but why were you there? They said they were there to liberate. They said they felt their constitutional rights were there. But look at their demographic. You can't ignore the science and the data. The science and the data says that they are working class. Well, who is the ruling class? For you to win any seat in America today, to win any kind of political battle, you got to have money. Either you take out a loan on your house or you have wealthy parents or a, a trust fund that is going to support your, your move to, uh, to, to, to run for any seat. So the ruling class, the intelligentsia, are comprised of people who are already elite. You got to understand that the people who voted for Donald Trump in 2016, they were voting against what they perceived was elitism. We forgot that battle. We forgot that that's how that started. They were rebelling against the fact that people who felt they were Yale educated, people who felt they were Harvard educated, people who felt they went to Michigan, people who felt that they went to Ivy League schools, made them feel that they were inferior because they didn't have a college degree, made them feel they were inferior because they didn't know how to code and they barely knew how to use smartphones. You want to hear a funny story? I was in Walmart a few days ago, and I don't know what it is about me that makes me so darn approachable that people will just randomly walk up to me and ask me jack questions. (laughs) It's amazing. And I walked over to get some. I was looking for some hamburgers to make. (laughs) And I walked over to pick it up. And they had an advertised price there, but they had different uh, varieties of the same product, different brands. And the man turned to me with, he wasn't wearing a mask. Again, that is another culture war and a culture divide, right? And this man turned to me and said, I don't know why they didn't put the price up. You know, I said, well, the price is there. And he was like, well, I don't know if that price applies to this product. So I said, do you have a phone? Notice I didn't say smartphone because to me today, everybody has a smartphone, right? So I said, just pull out your phone, download the Walmart app. And when you open the app, then you will, you will see something that says scan and you scan the barcode on the product and any product in the store has a barcode. You just hold it up to hold your phone up to it and we'll scan and tell you the price. He looked at me as if I were talking hieroglyphics. So I repeated it again because I thought he didn't quite get what I was saying. And then he said, thank you. And when I walked away, I said, no, that's the evidence right there. That is evidence of the war that we are fighting. First of all, he he wasn't wearing a mask. I was masked up, gloved up, right? And I have this protocol where when you come in from the store, you strip your clothes off. And dump them in the washing machine so you don't have to take that virus into your home, right? So I was pretty confident that anything he had was not going to come through my mask, right? But here is what that evidence, there are a couple of things operating there. One of which is that Republicans by and large refuse to wear 
masks. Now, why is that so? It is very telling because what we are finding is that scientists, Scientists are telling us we should first, they said, you don't need to wear a mask because they were afraid we didn't have enough masks and people would panic. Then they said, we all need to wear a mask because now we find out that asymptomatic people can transmit the virus. So you're talking to a group of people who are already wary of educated people telling them anything because you make them feel like they're less than. Whether they're black or white or brown, it doesn't matter. Right, working class people don't like people telling them what to do, and especially when you have a couple of degrees, especially if you went to, you know, you know, and you know, right? And so now, so he's standing there in obviously ignorant and saying that I'm not going to wear a mask. This is my right. I don't believe the virus is a serious threat. Meanwhile. Yale-educated epidemiologists are telling us to wear masks and that this virus is likely to spread. People are going to be wiped out. Next. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the culture and the, the class divide? Then you have a president who says, I'm not wearing a mask because he doesn't think it makes him look good in public or makes him look good on TV. He's identifying with his base. His base feel that we are, the rest of us are pushovers and are telling them what to do. Do you see what I'm saying? This is going somewhere. All that coronavirus did was highlighted the debacle that already existed. And if we're not careful, in less than 20 years, it could be 10 years, it could be less, we're headed towards an unforeseeable future where people are going to say, you know what, there's too much inequality. When the coronavirus is over and more people have died, we're going to realize that right now, we're going to realize and come to the place where we recognize that people did not have to die, that they died because they were poor. Remember when this first started? Remember the basketball team? Who could afford to be tested? They were telling us there were not enough tests available, but an entire basketball team could have been tested. The entire team, that means the coaches and everybody else was tested. They didn't die either. They were treated and they're alive today. Meanwhile, poor people, working class people, died from the effects of the coronavirus because of lifetime health issues caused by poverty. This culture war is not going to go away. Mark my words. All these people taking pictures, pretty soon, when it starts happening, they're going to stop posting. They're going to blank out their social media pages. And they're going to stop posting the excess of their lifestyle. Because now that people are aware, people are like, wait a minute. Check this out. Working class people in America today who work in auto plants, right here in Detroit, we have that issue. The Ford family is rich into the next 500 generations. That's how vested they are economically and financially. But they demanded that workers return to work in unsafe work environments. It's not just the auto industry. It's every other industry. There are no guarantees that they're going to clean the place every day, sanitize the place. There are no guarantees that they're going to provide a vaccine to make sure everybody is tested and vaccinated. All they're saying is that you must go to work. 
immediately after you go to work, you could be working right next to someone who is asymptomatic, transmit the virus to you. And because you have an underlying health condition or someone in your household has an underlying health condition, they can get it. They told us to reopen, they put pressure on governors to reopen states so that the economy can burgeon and flow. But you don't care about human life. Well, who is that thinking coming from? It's the elites. Traditionally, we've always had a problem with this boss employee stuff. This is why there have been so much friction in the workplace. There's been friction in the workplace because a group of people are being told what to do by a group of people who subscribe to the elitist mentality that I am better than you because I have more. It's much like the way you look at news anchors. You, you look at the people on TV who are reading the news, and when you begin to recognize that they earn six to seven figures, after a while it changes everything. But yet they make it so that they identify with you. But then you find out that she actually has a nanny and a butler and a housekeeper. You're like, wait up. There's something wrong with that. And I'm over here pulling $10 an hour, walking with a camera behind her. What's the difference between me and her? What's the difference between me and him? You go into the hospitals and there's a hierarchy. The more degrees you have is the more money you're going to earn. You're seeing it in hospitals right now. Doctors and specialists, they're making more money than everybody else. They live different than anybody else. They, they stayed in their guest houses while their family could continue to live in their homes. Are you seeing what I'm saying? This is going to be a problem. So people who are very wealthy are demanding that workers go back to work. Well, working class people are looking at that like, wait, I contribute to your wealth. I make your wealth, but I'm not being paid for it. And then you come and tell me that I should go back to work. Meanwhile, you are not helping, you're not making my workplace a safe place. What's going to happen when the virus penetrates rural America? It's already started. It's in meatpacking plants. It's in big box retail stores. What's going to happen when people begin to realize that it's working class people who are dying from this virus more than anybody else because of lifetime of illnesses caused by poor healthcare remedies? Let me tell you something. Poor people's lack of recovery from illness is what has caused this virus to proliferate. Rich people have no fear. Poor people fear going back to work because they have no recourse. They can't afford to get sick because if they get sick, they can't work to pay their bills. And then they will end up with a medical bill that their family is not likely to recover from. Do you know that in most states, people who get sick and have medical bills, it ends up on your credit report. So it addings your credit. Well, who are the people? The people who are providing the service? No, but it was the people who are providing the service who could afford the lobbyists, who convinced people in Congress that this should be something that is reportable on your credit report. Then the richer you get, you realize that the whole credit system is jacked that rich people set up the credit system so that you don't have access. So you want good stuff and you want to look like you're making it? Well, you are indebted for the rest of your life. Detroit's poverty rate 
is three times the rate of the national average. It's three times the national average. Why? We live in the wake of extreme work. Have you been down to Gross Point and driven along Lakeshore Drive? Have you driven through wealthy communities in Michigan, in West Michigan, and seen how people live? And we really think that this is not a breeding ground for disaster. We need to rethink that. America, it is in America because we have poor healthcare uh, methods. And over time, these have marginalized black and brown communities. I made some notes while I was reading this. What set this whole thing in place was a man died in a meatpacking plant from coronavirus. The meatpacking plant is owned by a company owned by Kroger. Kroger took away the incentive of $2 extra per hour that it was paying people. Oh, listen to this. Coronavirus Memorial Day Ozark pool party is dangerous. I don't know who was doing that. I don't know. I don't understand why people were out yesterday in public spaces, rubbing up against one another, breathing the same air, touching one another, getting in pools. I don't know why people, it's going to be rabid when this stuff is over, right? Did you see the elites? The elites have access to information, that, that better information. So they social distance. And they did the right thing. They may not wear masks in public, but they do make sure that they're protected. They sanitize their homes because they can afford to. They have access to all the resources. But more importantly, they have access to health care, which is something most Americans and working class Americans do not have access to. And when you do find it, your copay is ridiculous and your monthly payment under the, the Affordable Care Act is ridiculous. Your monthly payment is 300, 400, 500 per month for basic health care that you can only make two visits per year to the doctor. That is ridiculous. And that is going to be a, a breeding ground for disaster after this virus exits out of here in spring of 2021. It's not going to leave here for a while. It's going to stay because right now, yesterday, I, I, I kid you not, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday and Monday, as I drove throughout town, I was amazed at how people were were just congregating like nothing happened, like we didn't just come out of a pandemic, like the virus was still not there. People were just congregating. I said to myself, huh, people were at barbecues, they were at family gatherings, they were at every kind of gathering for the love of God, for God's sake, like nothing happened. And I said to myself, watch this. It wasn't like, okay, so wealthy people got together on their boats and they social distanced from boat to boat. They didn't jump over one another, but I was still concerned a little bit that when you, you dock your boat, you still are touching the, the, the thing, the, the, the place where you dock it together. Am I right? Right. I'm still concerned that you're all passing through the same clubhouse and boathouse. You're all breathing the same air. They're not disinfecting that air every 20 minutes. So there is still the intent that it will happen. But wealthy people, they are already were social distant in their mansions in the Hamptons. They aren't mixing with anybody. They're the ones who are saying reopen the economy so people get back to work, so their engines of money-making continue. People wake up and realize this. When they sit back, 
and the dust has settled and they realize how decimated this has happened, that's when you will see some stuff. Let me give you some notes, right? Uh, employers were required to provide masks and PPE equipment for their employees. Do you know they're not doing that? Not like they should, right? Not like they should. I have a, a viewer here who is saying that coronavirus is throwing is like throwing gasoline into a toxic environment for people of color. Absolutely. The stress will add to the poor health, heart attacks, strokes, and cancer. You've got to believe it. There is no one I have spoken to across the board who has not expressed concern about the ravages of coronavirus. Nobody. There's nobody who is not concerned about the long-term effects this will have on all of us economically. Nobody I have spoken to is not concerned about what it will mean moving forward socially and economically because the rest of us are seeing a powder keg brewing like, oh my God, is this going to explode? What is going to happen? We're also looking at what happens when so many people start dying, the stress and the worry. I swear to you, I have aged 20 years since March. I looked at my face yesterday and I'm like, dying, I look old. I start wearing on me because the stress of it, the worry that things will not go back to normal. Yes, I have faith, but I'm still a human being. I'm still looking at things are not going to go back to normal. Will it go back to normal the way it was before? And what will the new normal look like? How will we fit in with the new normal? Because this ostracism that the coronavirus has, has spread, right? It's not that the, the, the inequalities weren't there. They were always there. It's been happening for a while. We should have known something was up when Black Lives Matter started. We thought people were protesting against police brutality. That was one issue. But the greater issue people were really protesting against was inequality that they were perceiving started as a matter of color, black and white. That's, why, that's where it all came from. I feel powerless because I don't have enough money. I feel powerless because you're blaming my color for it, because historically my ancestors were treated that way. This is, has been a breeding ground. And we are, the, the president, unfortunately, is talking the fires in an effort to get these people to vote for him again, it pro it's not likely to happen because many of them are going to be wiped out because now the virus has spread in rural communities across the country. And I kid you not, Republicans at first looked at this as a, as a, a culture war. They thought, well, this is particularly only happening in democratic cities and democratic states. New Jersey, New York, Illinois, Michigan, right? So they were like, well, this is a virus that has propensities for communities of color, communities that are largely black and brown, right? That's what they were thinking. They said, well, they're, they're urban. That's why the people in northern Michigan were marching. They're like, that's urban stuff. They were looking at it like, well, that's a population density stuff. Guess what? The virus is marching right through rural communities that does not have the healthcare infrastructure to support large-scale folks getting, large-scale numbers of people getting sick. Republicans are going to be dead in the water when they realize what has happened. This is a war of culture. It's a shift in thinking. 
Because now the spotlight is glaringly on the fact that America is not as equal as we project and is telling the rest of the world. We have a class system here that is comprised of the intelligentsia. The intelligentsia, the intelligentsia are people who are Yale-educated epidemiologists who are telling the rest of us what to do. The intelligentsia are people who are educated, and they now say, well, for you to come into the elite class, there's a certain way that you must think, and you must have attended these certain schools, and you must be part of these social groups and social clubs, and you must work in these acceptable professions. And the rest of us are sitting back like, you gotta be, you got to be kidding me. You are simply kidding me. That's the war on culture. It's not just money, but it's a caste system that we have created by our economies. Our economics dictated that. We started creating a system to distance and differentiate people. This is why the resistance, when it first happened in the South, was we don't want black people creeping up into into these environments. So let us put up barriers. Well, the caste system has changed and the colorization has taken place. So now they're creating more barriers as entry into the system. That's why people are killing themselves. I got to make this money. If I have to sell drugs, if I have to sell my body, if I have to open my legs on Instagram for the whole world to see, I'm going to do it because I don't want to be down here where I'm powerless and don't count. I don't want to be in a situation where I can't have access to healthcare and buy my color And my class, my perceived class, when I go into a facility, they're going to mistreat me based on how I look. That right there is where the fight is going to take place. And we got to be careful because it's not going to stop. We got to be careful because it has only just begun. All that the coronavirus did was just shine a light on it. We've been ignoring it for decades. We had a moment when we could have fixed it. But we chose not to fix it. We looked at globalization. So we decided that why don't we make more money? We could make more money if we sent our products to China. We could make more money if people in China earn percents per day. We don't have to pay benefits, yeah? We could make a lot more money. So you sent jobs and opportunities to China. Then the coronavirus came and we realized that, uh uh-oh, the very things we need to survive are being paid, are being made by a country that is dictatorial, that hates their own people anyway, and suddenly we have a supply and demand problem. Big deal. It's a big deal. Because who largely supported globalization? Exactly. Those very same people who largely supported globalization are the people who are now saying, wait just a minute. We got to cut off China. We we, got to stop that. We we, we can't outsource that because our medicines come from China. Wait, the Lysol and the other stuff we need, everything we need during this, you got to be kidding me. Man, we have to address that. We must change that. Call up so-and-so over at Raquel. Call up so-and-so over at Rickett and Coleman. Call up so-and-so over at Procter and Gamble. We can't just do this. The culture wars. You didn't want to pay American workers. 
because you wanted to make more money for yourself so you could be called a billionaire. You could be called a trillionaire. You want to roll and look like you can live on Mars. Didn't Elon Musk say he's going to live on Mars because they find water on Mars? And they're finding other planets. They're paying for exploration of space so they can leave the Earth because, after all, the Earth is just so polluted. We can't live here. Culture wars. Initially, we thought, you know, when the, when the coronavirus first started, you know, there was this war. You know, Republicans were saying, oh, no, the economy. And some Democrats, you know, some people were like, some Democrats were like, well, the Earth is healing itself. And you were like, you've got to be kidding me. You worried about the environment? Or are you worried about people having access to health care? So if they get sick, they can go to a hospital or treatment facility to be cared for. It's the craziest thing we have seen. And I'm afraid it's going to get crazier because we don't have a choice. It's only just begun. And it is rising and it's going to continue to rise because the rate of infection, especially after the weekend foolishness, when people were running through the sixes, as the song said, they were just running. I mean, people were, I went on and I was like, but hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought we were on our lockdown. I thought we were supposed to limit travel. They had a, a, a sign on one of the freeways that says, stay home, limit travel. I'm like, who are you talking to? Folks were speeding. 90 miles an hour on two of the freeways that I traverse. And I'm like, this is just one part of this. This is just one freeway over here, one freeway system here. There's no way that we're not going to pay the price. And the price we're going to pay is in the rate of infections and lost lives. And rich people are more going to distance themselves because they can social distance in their homes. Their homes are big enough. They have help in their homes to cook their meals and bring it to them. Their bedrooms are the size of you and I apartment. That's just the bedroom. They can arrange for what time they go by the pool to lay up because they, can, they have the space and the means. They have access to health care. They have access to good quality food. A lot of the problems that we're seeing is caused by obesity. Because people traditionally have not been eating well. We eat too much sugars. We eat too much starch. We don't exercise enough. You check, you know, there, there are gym memberships out there, but y'all know if you don't pay your gym membership that it, it affects your credit. So people, black and brown people, for sometimes they can't afford it on a consistent basis. They don't have their what you call food deserts. People don't have access to fresh food and vegetables and fresh fruit every day. They don't have transportation to take them to the doctor. I've told you the story how a few years ago I organized a healthcare uh, thing, health health fair, healthcare fair in a marginalized community in Detroit, and I brought in a doctor. And he was actually an emergency room physician and a nurse and a couple of nurses, CNAs, and physical therapists, nutritionists, and a fitness instructor. We found that people within a mile, less than a mile of the church where we had the healthcare fair, had not been to the doctor in 10 years. They had diabetes and high blood pressure that was untreated. We called the ambulance several times because people's blood pressure and blood sugar was at astronomical levels, life 
challenging level. And I, 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 I was so overwhelmed. I remember sitting down. They found me sitting in my car with my head in my hands because I couldn't believe it. Right here in the city of Detroit. The hospital isn't far away, but because of lack of healthcare, access to healthcare, under a former Republican government who was trying to restrict access to Medicaid and impose such harsh conditions on the people even accessing Medicaid, that they still couldn't get to a doctor. What about red states like Mississippi and Louisiana where the Republican governors did not approve a Medicaid extension? People do not have access to health care. Obesity runs rampant through black and brown communities because, again, people don't have access to, to fresh fruits and vegetables. They don't have access to good nutrition, air pollution, and these are all contributing factors. And these are the same people who work. That's the, the misnomer. They want you to feel that all these people are on welfare and they're just beefing off the system. You, you, you know how they pontificate and postulate on stuff like this. That's not true. These are hardworking people who are working class. They work in restaurants, stand on their feet for hours. Women miscarry and have health-related issues because they're standing on their feet, lifting boxes working in environments for less pay, and they're not even working enough. They don't get 40 hours a week. You heard the president talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. Go apply for one of those jobs. First question you ask is, how much do you pay per hour? The next question you ought to ask is, how many hours per week? They don't give you 40 hours per week. They give you 18 or less than 20 hours per week, because if they give you more, they have to pay benefits. And they're not going to because it eats into their profits. It's not that they don't make the money. They want to keep the money so they can be the ones on the yacht with a drone flying overhead and posting a picture to Instagram to show the rest of us how big they are and how much money they have. When these, these are not perceptions, these are realities. The reality is that working class Americans, black and white alike, have found themselves in a diaspora where they can't emerge out of. They thought the answer laid in Donald Trump. They voted him in thinking he was going to be their Messiah and deliverer. They found out that all the policies he made were towards people like himself who are billionaires or trending to be billionaires. They have a rude awakening. Uh, they had a rude awakening because the coronavirus came and most of them don't have health care. Now here comes an election in November. After this crisis of health is over, after this crisis with the pandemic is over, and the total examination of the facts happened, I'm telling you right now, you have two Americas. You have one America in which people favored Bernie Sanders because young people own, all they own is debt. They own car notes, they own student loans going through the kazoo. Who do you think owns the student loans in the country? It's not the government, it's rich people. They're the ones who make it make education inaccessible. They're the ones who determine that, well, for you to get a job, you need a bachelor's of science in education. So you go take out a loan to go get a bachelor's, and you end up not working in the field that you took the, to, took the, the, the course in. But for you to get a job, you have to do that. So you, get, you start off at 40000 a year, 50000 a year. But your debt is this high. So people are graduating colleges with debt this high 
they can't qualify for a mortgage. And now here comes another group of employers who say, well, I don't care how many degrees you have. I'm still, this work is still valid at only 10 or $15 an hour. How can they live? People who are just graduating, my generation, when we were done, we had access. We could buy a house. We could go negotiate with a mortgage broker. Today, the landscape is structured differently. So now people can't have access to that. That's a breeding ground for disaster. That's why they favored Bernie Sanders. Then you have the other group of people who favored Trump because he was all about big business. And the two ideologies just do not compute. We're done. And you think this republic is going to be a republic forever? You think that these people are not going to rise up? All those people who are protesting across the country, we're misreading it. Look at them. Look at their demographics. They're working class. Some of them are teachers. Yeah, I went to college. I graduated with a degree. I have a teaching certificate. And I'm a teacher, but I can barely afford my mortgage. I've been a teacher for 15 years and still paying off student loans. In addition to my mortgage, if I want to go on vacation, I take it out on credit. I only have 20000 saved up in my 401k after 20 years of teaching. You only have $20,000. So if you were to retire and you are indebted to your teeth because you had to take out a home equity line of credit to send your kids to college. Working class Americans are not going to put up with this. And guess what? They're the majority. The minority is the 1%. The Waltons of this world. Did you read the CNBC article that says billionaires made $434 billion during the pandemic? Amazon, the Waltons, all those folks. Yeah. They made $434 billion, not million, $434 billion during this pandemic. That is unbelievable. Meanwhile, people who work in, this, in fulfillment centers making $10, $12, $15 an hour for 20 hours a week, people who work in meatpacking plants, I'm about to wrap up, people who work in meatpacking plants are not making it day today. And they're the ones who fear getting sick because there is no recovery for them. They can't recover. Why can't they recover? Because what are they going to recover to? By the time they get sick, they're not getting benefits that is going to keep them on the job. They're still going to die. What does their family members get? Social Security sends a check for $255? What do they get for their lifetime? That's what I am telling you. People are looking at it like this is what I am worth. This is all my life is worth. Meanwhile, you're big pimping off of my back. Auto workers right here in Detroit had to return to plants that are not safe. People there have tested positive. They're telling workers who have tested positive, still come to work and don't tell anybody you have tested positive. Asymptom standing right next to asymptomatic people. And people are like, I don't have any choice. I got to go in. But I'm just going to pray that God is going to help me. This is one time when God said enough is enough. You watch what's going to happen. He's going to help. We may not like the way it comes out. But it sure is going to be something. A few notes I made. Wealthy households were, were, were the ones most inclined to. Coronavirus exposes the lies and unmatched cheap talk and rhetoric. 
Wow. Yale educated, if he did, we talked about the intelligentsia and the elite. This is where it comes from, the bastion of American academia. This is where it comes from. So people are like, well, they're telling us that. I'm not going to (laughs) listen. Right? Blue-collar workers, the American working class. Workers are just asking, if I have to go back to work, can we just go back in a safe way? And employers are like, I'm not buying any PPE. Do you know how much that costs? That's going to come out of my bottom line. The coronavirus is spiking in, in, in rural areas in America. And Republicans are about to find out the virus is not urban or controlled by population density. Neither is the virus Democrat. The people who voted for Mr. Trump did so because they lost their jobs and didn't want to adapt to technology or being told by the intelligentsia that you have to go back to school or something. Working class people are treated like property-less serfs in America. Are you hearing me? This is what one writer said. Working class people in America are treated like you are nothing. You are a serf. I own you. I own your life. I own you. I determine your upsetting. I determine when you get up and if you eat. You remember how they used to tell us to be proud of working? And that's working class rhetoric and working class mandates. Be proud of the fact that you work for a living and by the sweat of your bro, you sh- Hello? Did David Giffen look like somebody who was sweating? Right? That's what they told us. That was the rhetoric. And now we're finding out that that's not really how the cookie crumbles. The cookie is not crumbling in favor of the American working class. It's crumbling in favor of the elite. And pretty soon, the working class, who make up majority of the population, are going to find out just how much the cookie does not crumble in their favor. And they're going to react to it. You think we can avoid that? Not any chance, not any time soon. We're bumbling towards it. And the coronavirus simply expedited it. It was always going to happen. We saw the crash of 2008 and we thought, well, if we got a job, we'd forget about it. We didn't recover, not emotionally, not mentally, because people keep asking, why did that happen? Now that the coronavirus has happened, people are asking the same question. Why? It happened to me because I'm poor. How can I be poor and I work and earn $54,000 a year, but I have gray hairs because I can never afford anything. I have to constantly take things out on credit. Why do I only earn $54,000 a year when my boss earns $1.5 million? My boss gets a golden parachute if he's fired. But I get kicked out the door, no health care have to pay COBRA for three months or six months. And then I end up destitute and poverty without property because they come and take my house and my car. This is a breeding ground for disaster. Thank you so much for watching me this morning. Thank you for your participation. I appreciate your comments. Go to my website, harrietcamick.com, as well as make sure that you support me on social media. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on Facebook. My book, Through the Fire, is available on Amazon.com. Watch the movie I'm in, Last Words, on Amazon Prime. I had it streaming earlier, but it has ended. So it's called Last Words. It's available on Amazon Prime. My book, Through the Fire, details a woman's experiences going through violence. Violence is happening. 
This is another part of the blue-collar working class. Violence is more prevalent amongst communities of color and amongst communities of working class, blue-collar neighborhoods, blue-collar spaces, blue-collar working class, ordinary people who are just trying to make it. Get my book, Through the Fire. We're using sales of this book to help women around the country who find themselves helpless and powerless. Help us to help them. Thank you so much for watching. My other podcast, if you're new to us, is on Spotify, as well as iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Breaker, Podcorn, etc. Make sure you follow us. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I got to go. Thanks so much. I'll be back tomorrow. Be blessed, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.